Welcome to BIB Today, the podcast from the newsroom of Business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and executive editor. Our guest today is Roberto Velasco the, uh, Alvarez, the chief officer for North America at the Mexican Ministry of Foreign Affairs. We have, of course, a great deal to talk about involving Canada-Mexico relationships. For that ministry, though, he oversees the country's foreign policy with Canada and the United States. He's visiting Vancouver here for the first time. A lawyer by profession, a former editor-in-chief of the Chicago Policy Review, a former staffer in the office of then-Chicago Mayor Rahm Emanuel. He also worked as the head of the Foreign Ministry's General Director for Public Affairs. And also joining our discussion today, good to have BIV reporter Nelson Bennett, who looks at trade and energy issues for us. Welcome so much. Welcome to Vancouver. Thank you so much, Kirk, and uh, really happy to be able to join you in this podcast. Let's uh, let's talk a bit, get a bit of a status report on what you consider to be the general relationships, the bilateral relationships with the two countries, you know, the challenges, the accomplishments. Set the scene a bit for us. Yes, of course. Well, let me start by saying that uh, we believe we are at a really important time of the relationship with Canada. Uh, last year, uh, for the first time, Canadian companies became uh, the number two uh largest foreign direct investors in Mexico uh, after the United States. Uh, So that was very positive. Uh, Some of the projects that are uh, happening are really exciting, uh, like TC Energy uh, building um, uh, nearly $5 billion undersea pipeline in the Gulf of Mexico, Canadian Pacific purchasing uh, Kansas City Southern, um, which uh, will create or has created the first uh, integrated North American transport and logistics platform, uh, which would allow trade to keep growing. And also, in general, I feel uh, a sense uh, that uh, obviously with all the uncertainty that we have around the globe, uh, North America uh, is not only back, but is making more sense than ever. Uh, and certainly uh, Canada and Mexico have uh, a lot of opportunities um, in front of ourselves, uh, given this trend. You're outlining, I think, the accomplishments and the opportunities. Um, I wonder if you can talk a bit about what the challenges are. What, what are the, if there are such things as pain points in the relationship, what, what do you feel they are? Well, as with every uh, relationship, when you start uh, growing the trade uh, between the countries, there will uh, also uh, be uh, points of, uh, of tension. We've had some uh, concerns, for example, uh, in the energy sector. But uh, last time uh, that uh, Prime Minister Trudeau went to Mexico City for the 10th edition of the NALS in January of this year, uh, he had a very good conversation with our president, uh, Andres Manuel López Obrador. Uh, We agreed to take a look at some of the existing uh, issues with energy companies. And I can tell you uh, that uh, in uh, most of the cases, three out of four cases that were brought uh, to our attention, we were able to uh, reach uh, a framework that solved uh, the problem. uh, And uh, these uh, solutions are already being implemented and uh, the companies uh, are now, um, I would say, really comfortable with the situation. And in one more case, we are still uh, discussing uh, important aspects of uh, our negotiation to solve the existing concerns, but I am very optimistic uh, that uh, we will get there. There are always also uh, you know, some uh, points of friction in the mining sector. It's uh, a difficult sector per definition around the world. Uh, 
mining companies always have challenges dealing with the communities on environmental issues. Um, and uh, the Congress now approved a new law uh, that uh, I'm afraid uh, probably will be challenged uh, before our courts. Um, so probably that means that uh, there will be uh, a constitutional revision or a judicial revision uh, of the law. Uh, so we won't know the exact uh, outcome uh, for a while of this process. Uh, but certainly we're also talking with the Canadian companies and with the companies in the mining sector uh, to understand uh, if they have concerns and how we can uh, work uh, on those issues. Yeah, so I hear a, a positive and optimistic climate that you're doing. I want to turn it over here to Nelson Bennett for a couple of questions. Nelson? Yeah, I was just... Um... I was just wondering, uh, the, um, uh, I, I think some people might be surprised to learn that, that Mexico is uh, getting in on the liquefied natural gas export um, um, sector. Uh, might be surprising because Mexico doesn't produce a whole lot of natural gas. I, I believe it's getting most of its natural gas from the United States. Um, uh, but already we've seen here in, in Canada, we've got uh, uh, natural gas producers signing long-term contracts with American LNG producers uh, in the Gulf uh, in the Gulf Coast, uh, specifically Chenier Energy. Can you see um, a situation where, where Canadian natural gas producers would actually be uh, exporting um, natural gas to Mexico to, to uh, feed LNG projects there, or at least backfilling some of the natural gas in the United States? Yeah, this is a really interesting question, Nelson. I think um, several things changed in the past couple of years uh, on the uh, natural gas and, and LNG uh, market. Obviously, you have the, the invasion of Ukraine by Russia, um, which has uh, created a, a completely new situation in the gas market uh, in Europe. You have also uh, a lot of demand growing in Asia, in Asia but you already had before. Uh, but uh, obviously, this is a, a trend uh, that is very important for companies in North America uh, in terms of exports. And you also have a realization around the world that uh, the energy transition towards renewables will require gas as a bridge to get us there. So uh, many companies are looking at different options of how uh, they can make sure that uh, they can get the, the natural gas that they need. And Mexico is certainly going to play an important role in this market. There are uh, at least three very important projects under development in Mexico in this field. Uh, YAM by SEMPRA uh, in the Pacific Coast. Uh, they are well underway in the construction of a really important uh, liquefied natural gas plant. Uh, obviously uh, using uh, gas from the United States. There's a second one in that uh, same area, uh, in the medical uh, test sea uh, in Sonora um, by uh, Mexico Pacific Limited. And this will be actually a $14 billion plant that uh, they want to develop. They just uh, met with the president uh, in Mexico City and had a, a very positive uh, meeting. They are uh, developing a partnership uh, with our national uh, electricity company, CFE. And in the Gulf of Mexico, you have uh, New Fortress Energy working with uh, our national oil company, Pemex, uh, in partnership to uh, develop uh, a gas field uh, that Pemex uh, has in this area. 
um, and uh, the, they have uh, reached an agreement in how they will uh, exploit this gas and, and uh, export it, and obviously liquefy it and export it. Uh, and they will also uh, work to develop an additional liquefied natural gas plant uh, in, in the Gulf. So lots going on, and certainly these plants will require uh, uh, important amounts of, of natural gas. Uh, a lot of it will come from the Permian Basin in the United States. But certainly, I'll be, I believe there's a, an important space for Canadian companies uh, to play a role. And as you said, either to backfill uh, gas in the United States uh, or to connect with this infrastructure. And I mentioned TC Energy's uh, new undersea pipeline. And this uh, might actually end up being another channel where liquefied natural gas would end up being uh, produced to, to export. And so, sir, you mentioned the TC Energy project. Uh, is that uh, directly tied to LNG projects? Not right now, okay. uh, but it's certainly one of the options that is being explored. Okay. If we can, um, I mean, obviously, I, I think I can answer part of this question almost myself and say that you have a distinct uh, border situation with the United States that we, we don't really have. Um, but I want to get your views on the respective relationships that each of us have with America and how, in your view, they differ. Well, it's a, another very good question. Thank you. Um, obviously, the past few years uh, with the United States uh, have been years of, uh, let's say, uh, a lot of changes. Um, we went uh, to the Trump presidency, which actually didn't believe in the idea of North America. Uh, yeah. They want to go back to this idea of bilateral relationships uh, with, the, with the two countries. Now we have uh, the Biden administration that does want to have a, a North American policy. And to be honest, it's not just the Biden administration. It's also the global situation, the geopolitical uh, situation uh, that is bringing uh, North America uh, back. Uh, but certainly, uh, I think what these years of uh, uncertainty uh, in the North American relationship showed is the importance of having a strong bilateral relationship between Mexico and Canada. It is certainly uh, something what, that we need to keep fostering. And we saw during the pandemic and during the NAFTA renegotiation, and we are seeing now also with the new shoring that working uh, together um, not only makes sense in terms uh, of our respective uh, relationships with the United States, but it also you know, offers a lot of opportunities uh, for companies in the two countries. And in terms of the relationship uh, with, the, with the United States, uh, obviously, uh, we have uh, several really tough issues that uh, we're managing right now. You mentioned the border, and, and of course, uh, we have a unique situation because uh, we are a transit country uh, for migrants. We are also a country of uh, transit for uh, different illicit products such as uh, drugs, particularly now we are concerned about uh, fentanyl, which is an area that uh, we're working with the United States to, to try and tackle. Uh, yep. but there's a lot of dialogue uh, every day and a lot of work every day and uh, a very intense level of cooperation. So uh, we certainly believe that the relationship is strong and that we will be able to keep navigating these uh, really thorny issues. Yeah, the, the one area um, I think that, that people could point to during that Trump administration that's obviously come into the Biden administration was the evolution of NAFTA. Uh, and, uh, and I wonder if you're able now to take a look at it a couple of years hence, 
uh, and and determine whether it really was much of an evolution or or was it uh, most symbolic in nature? What what are your views about how it has gone uh, since it was uh, last worked through, uh, principally by the Trump administration trying to call the shots on it? Well, I mean, if you take a look at the trade numbers between the three countries before and after uh, the negotiation of, of uh, NAFTA, um, you would certainly come to the conclusion that it's been uh, a positive trend. We've had uh, uh, historic numbers of trade, even if you take into account the, the inflation. It's not just nominal, but real growth uh, in terms uh, of the, the uh, trade of the three countries. So naturally, I mean, correlation is not causation, but uh, certainly it seems uh, like the new NAFTA uh, is also creating uh, really uh, good conditions uh, for uh, our exports and imports to keep growing. And on the other hand, some issues that um, we uh, sometimes expected uh, that were going to be points of frictions have not been that way. Uh, you have, for example, the new uh, labor provisions of the uh, USMCA, and uh, that certainly has not become a, a source of conflict for the three countries. It's actually working very well. Uh, and from our point of view, the new uh, rules of origins uh, provisions in the uh, treaty actually incentivize companies to bring more production uh, to North America, to bring larger parts of the supply chains um, to uh, our own neighborhood. So we certainly think that's uh, positive and, and coincides with what we're seeing. Um, I was uh, telling a, a group that we just met that we are in a situation right now where uh, industrial parks in Mexico have 99% uh, of occupation and we have uh, waiting lists uh, of uh, over 300 companies that are uh, trying uh, to get space in industrial parks. Um, and, and obviously, there are important Canadian companies in this sphere. You have investments by Bombardier, by DRP, uh, by uh, Martin Rea International. So uh, it's an exciting moment, and it seems that the, the USMCA is uh, obviously a part of that success. Nelson? Yeah, just on trade, um, whether, you, whether it's the um, CUSMA or NAFTA, Canada has had a, a, a North American free trade agreement with Mexico for more than 30 years. And um, from British Columbia, from Vancouver to the port of Ensenada, it's only something like 1,300 uh, nautical miles. It's about a quarter of the distance from some of our other trade partners like Taiwan or Japan or China. And yet, the, the, when you look at the numbers, the amount of trade uh, that BC does with Mexico is really very low. Um, uh, I think imports, it's a little over uh, $2 billion, but the, the exports from BC to Mexico is only something like $107 uh, million in 2021. So it's quite surprising that it's that low. I'm just wondering if, if you see any um, opportunities going forward for increased trade either way between uh, BC and, and Mexico. Are there things that, that Mexico would like to import uh, from BC, for example, uh, lumber or natural gas or Copper. It totally coincides with your point of view. I mean, Mexico is a, a large market. Uh, we are 130 uh, million people, uh, and uh, we have a, a growing uh, economy 
Um, we are a young uh, country, uh, and uh, our projections is that our population is going to keep growing uh, for some years. So it certainly represents a, a big opportunity uh, for Canadian companies. Um, and uh, in the case of uh, British Columbia, I think um, certainly uh, we met, for example, today uh, with, uh, with the government and uh, the provincial government, and we were discussing uh, opportunities in biotech, uh, which is growing uh, here, uh, technology uh, in general. Uh, obviously, uh, we mentioned lumber. Uh, we were talking about mass lumber uh, for construction. That could be another opportunity for trade. And in general, I could say that certainly since we are seeing a trade that is still uh, so small between um, in general Canada and Mexico and particularly BC uh, and Mexico, there's still a lot of room for growth. I think, um, you know, the, the Mexico-Canada relationship has been probably the, the weakest element uh, of the uh, NAFTA uh, relationship. Um, and there's a lot more we need to do to make sure that we have a very strong partnership and that we are taking advantage of all the opportunities uh, that we have between these two markets. We just have a, a few minutes left, but I wanted to get uh, your thoughts and then uh, I'll turn to Nelson for a last question about the opportunities that exist in what you're telling uh, Canadians as you visit uh, are the common approaches to some global issues and not just uh, bilateral ones, not just continental ones, but global issues. Where, where do you see the opportunities here? Well, first of all, we are um, countries that in, in many things, we are very much aligned. We are democracies. Uh, we believe in the multilateral uh, system and in the rules-based uh, global trade system. Uh, so uh, those areas where we work together every day uh, in the WTO, in the UN system, so uh, we very much see uh, eye to eye on that. And it is uh, a rare occasion where the three governments in North America are progressive uh, governments. Uh, so uh, we care uh, about equality, we care about inclusion, uh, we care about uh, you know, indigenous peoples and how uh, we can promote uh, a greater uh, involvement uh, in, in the economy of uh, small and medium enterprises. Uh, we talk about climate change, and we're working uh, together as well on that. Mexico last year presented a uh, new um, uh, nationally determined contributions uh, or indices uh, in the uh, COP. Um, and this is an area where we've been working with the U.S. and, and Canada, for example, on methane um, emission reductions. Uh, so uh, certainly there's more that we can do uh, around there. And uh, in general, I would say that, um, you know, these are countries that uh, in the basic things, uh, we agree very much. We also have governments that agree in terms of uh, a vision uh, of our societies right now. Uh, mm -hmm. So um, that's why we launched uh, a new uh, roadmap for the bilateral relationship in the years to come. And a big element of that was this uh, idea of a shared or common uh, value system. Uh, between the two countries. Okay, great. Nelson, let me give you the last uh, last question. Okay, um, well, one area where we do see investment from Canadian uh, companies in Mexico and, and including BC companies is in the mining sector. There's a lot of uh, 
gold and silver mining in, in Mexico. And we have a number of uh, BC companies that would have invested there. But there have been some recent mining reform laws, uh, or mining law reforms. I believe you might have touched on it. Uh, I'm just wondering if you could speak about that, because when, you know, companies hear that there there might be changes to the, the length of the concessions or requirements that some of the profits be uh, given back to local communities, things like that, that might put a chill on investors. Uh, what can you say about that? It, are you seeing an impact? Are you seeing a, a bit of a, a, a pullback by the Canadian investors in Mexico in the mining sector? Well, we haven't really seen a pullback, uh, but we certainly understand that there are concerns uh, by some companies. Our Ministry of the Economy uh, is talking with the companies. We're also working with the uh, Canadian government to make sure uh, that we uh, understand these concerns and that we are able to find uh, mutually agreeable solutions. And also, as I mentioned at the beginning, uh, it's likely that there will be uh, a judicial or constitutional revision process uh, for these laws. So uh, we will also wait and see uh, what the courts uh, resolve uh, around these so we can uh, make sure that uh, we attend the, the uh, concerns uh, as we have certainty regarding the uh, laws and the regulation that will be applied. It's been a great conversation and uh, I'm glad you finally got to visit Vancouver. Hope you'll come back many times. We'll see you again and, and chat again when you come again. Thanks a lot for your time today. Well, thank you so much, Kirk Nelson. Thank great you. Time. I'm Crypto Point, publisher and executive editor of BIV. Thanks a lot for watching.